Hello, everyone, and welcome to an all-new edition of The Elite Beat, your source for all the AEW news, reviews, previews, and, uh, I don't know, that's about it, right? It's not it's not romance week anymore. Unfortunately not. No, no. It's uh, It was President's Day on Monday, and, uh, you know, we've got a bunch of EVPs who, uh, who are our favorite presidents. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, Some of them more favorite than others. Sure, yeah. Some have weird energy. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> That's Megan, 111 miles to our southwest. How are you doing today, Megan? I'm good. How are you guys? Good, good. Did you just finish up Dynamite pretty much? No, I was responsible and watched it earlier today. Oh, good, okay. And right across the table from me is Jenny. Hello. How are you doing, Jenny? I'm good. Our listeners should check out our Instagram at the Elite Beat Pod. Yeah, they definitely should. They definitely should. Now we've got a lot to get into this week. Big, big news section for you today, and and uh, I'm sure a uh, a packed dynamite recap with Megan. But before we get into all that, let's kick things off with the Elite Beat Pop of the Week. Jenny, what do you have for us today? Ooh, we've got a champagne for you this week. Oh, a champagne ass champagne. A real champagne. Yeah. Uh, it's Alfred Gratien, and we have the Brut Rosé, which I love a rosé. Mm-hmm. Champagne. It's not not as much, just still. Yeah, I don't love still rosé, but rosé champagne, I think, is the best drink yeah. ever. Uh, this little house is uh, fourth generation, uh, established back in 1862, and it's based out of Epernay. And we were, when we stayed in Epernay, we were about four blocks away from it, but we never verged off of the Avenue de Champagne to another block to visit other champagneries. I mean, why would you? It's the, it's the Disney World of Champagne. <laughs> so uh, You don't go to the Bush Gardens of Champagne when you're at the Disney World of Champagne. Well, I don't know. This is a pretty damn good champagne. <laughs> we, uh, we just didn't see it. Yeah. Well, so. Let's hear a pop. Beautiful. Oh, it smells so good. Good cork. Yeah, this is a, it's very fruit forward when you first take a sip, but it's also very complex. It has a lot of like toasty, bready notes on the end. Uh, Megan, you've had this one before at our house. Oh, well then I'm sure it's good. Megan, why don't you tell us what, uh, what you've got down in Cincinnati way? I've got Cincinnati favorite Rheingeist uh, Truth once again. I had this last week, I think, and I still had some left. So uh, it is, if to remind you, um, it has a tropical fruit aroma, uh, notably grapefruit and mango, and a dry fin- finish. So oh. crisp. Can we get a crack? We can indeed. Oh, Ooh, that was satisfying. Yes, it was. I love I love a, a good uh, beer crack. <laughs> so shall we get into being the elite? Yes. All right. BTE episode 191, Into the Unknown. This week uh, was mostly, at least early on, about canceled flights causing uh, a 17-hour travel day to get from Southern California to Austin, Texas. Which sounds incredibly frustrating. And uh, the Jacksons missed the production meeting for Dynamite. So that's too bad. Maybe that's why it was so good. Wow. 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 Matt was uh, backstage. Uh, he'd set up a little coffee shop. He's even selling snacks now. 
Scorpio Sky walks in and asks for coffee. And uh, Matt says, Jim Ross has already called your coffee order in. And he gives him a cup that says, Too Cold Scorpio on it. Which is a reference to Jim Ross calling Scorpio Sky Too Cold Scorpio a couple weeks ago on Dynamite. The main thrust of the plot this week was that Hangman Page found out that the Young Bucks were in that battle royal. And he went around to a bunch of the other teams that are in there and was giving them basically a scouting report on what to do to fight the Jacksons. What not to do. How to, how to protect the Jacksons. We're not to hit them. I, I was waiting for this segment. <laughs> Can't wait to see how this goes. He asked uh, Jack Evans and Helico to please stay away from... Exactly, please stay away. From the left side of Matt's lower back because it's hurt. Uh, he told the Jurassic Express about Nick's bad eyesight. Mm-hmm. And he'd be blind if he lost his contacts. Yeah, don't don't hit him in the eyes. Now, wait, can I say that the first, when he we talked, or when he talked to the hybrid two, he definitely framed it as asking them to avoid hurting Matt in a certain way. But for the rest of the people he talks to, he doesn't ask questions. He just drops, like, weak points as point of fact. Well, they just cut that introduction part from everyone. You know, they don't okay, want to like sure. spend an extra thirty seconds on each person that he talks to, showing that I'm clearly, I'm, I'm sure that he did say, "Please stay away from these pieces." The payoff to this bit was that uh, Hangman was in the shower drinking a beer, obviously, but fully nude, and he was talking to the best friends in Orange Cassidy, who were also standing in the shower area but fully dressed, <laughs> and he was, you know, giving them a some scouting tips. And uh, after he was satisfied, he walked off and there was a giant Tetris piece covering his, uh, his manhood past his knees. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, mega hung <laughs> and orange Cassidy, uh, lowered his sunglasses as hangman walked away to get a look at his huge horse cock. What's that thing you always say about Adam page, Jenny? Got gay with both hands. <laughs> You'd have to hold it with both hands, apparently. <laughs> but that was uh, that was pretty much being the elite for the week. Did anybody, any, either of you, have any other thoughts on it? I just was waiting for how Jenny spun Adam Page throwing the bucks under the bus, specifically <laughs> Matt. I really enjoyed the travel log. Like hearing that stressed me out. <laughs> right. Like I liked that segment, but. What a nightmare. Mm-hmm. There's nothing more frustrating than delays at the airport. And I like that they left and went and shopped at a Hot Topic for their merch. <laughs> while I like that they appeared to be, like, perhaps folding and reshelving it. Mm. Like pulling them up to the front so that people could see them? Yeah, either that or tidying up their little section. Like when an author goes to a bookstore? Yeah, mm-hmm. always move your book to the front. That takes us to AEW Dark for February 18th. No big angles on this show to cover, so just four match results here. Chris Statlander defeated Diamante in four minutes and 30 seconds. So this is our second look at Diamante. Best Friends defeated the Hybrid 2 in eight and a half minutes. I thought this match was a lot of fun. Agreed. Big Swole defeated the debuting Christy Janes in four minutes and 40 seconds. I didn't really get, I didn't get much of an impression of Christy Jane's. It was kind of too short to really. Four minutes was too short. 
Yeah, I don't know. Like, she didn't leave an impression on me. Hmm. She probably shouldn't be signed, then. Well, we'll see. And in the main event, the Young Bucks defeated Peter Avalon and QT Marshall in 10 minutes and 20 seconds. How on earth did it take them so long? It was a pure comedy match. Okay. They were like, they literally had the microphone and were calling their own spots. I liked it. I had a lot of fun with it. I enjoyed it, too. I think it's the most enjoyable librarians match we've seen. Oh, for well, sure. Yeah. yeah, like a match involving either one of them. Yeah. But not much to dark this week. No, uh, no angles or anything. Megan, would you like to get us started on that uh, big dynamite recap? For sure. Let's go to the State Farm Arena in Atlanta, Georgia, which everybody seemed pretty excited about. I, I get the impression this is, I mean, obviously Cody's got history here, but JR and Tony, I feel like football time. I mean, this was like a, this was a, you know, Jim Crockett promotion slash WCW hotbed when both of those guys were announcers for that promotion as well. So I'm honestly surprised they didn't do another little segment where they brought people in. Yeah, me too. I wonder I wonder what the what the deal was there. I think that would have I think you probably could have got a lot of people. Yeah. Well, we start out the show with a lot of people because the opening segment is the tag team battle royal. And I believe there's five teams, so ten guys, and I like the way they started this because rather than show their entrances on the ramp, they just had them all standing on the outside of the ring and then when the match started, everybody jumped in, and then that was the signal that you can no longer go over the top rope or you're out. I just thought that was kind of an interesting setup. Yeah, and it's it just saved a lot of time, too. Yeah, I assume the audience in the, the stadium or whatever got to see everybody walk down, but it was cool to just kind of jump right into it in the show form. Yeah, they're good, they're good at that. They do that a lot with the, you know, like... I feel like four or five times out of 20 now, uh, we've seen a, a show kick off with just like the match, like in the ring, ready to start. Yeah. Yeah. So I thought there'd be some sort of competition, like, of, I don't know, of like shoving to get in the ring or whoever got in the ring first won something. Jenny wanted a reverse battle royal before the regular battle royal. Exactly. Just, just like a straight up race. Yes. <laughs> start them all on the stage. Yes. See who gets down there first. Like how they used to start uh, old racing, like car racing stuff, like Formula One. Mm. <laughs> well, if they did it that way, then they couldn't have the mechanic where two of the teams hung around on the outside waiting for other teams to get beat up and thrown out before they decide to participate. So the Young Bucks win this match, and there's a lot of stuff that goes on in the middle of it. But the way the Young Bucks win is that Matt and all his weird energy ends up the last buck in the ring with Santana and Ortiz, and he has to defeat both of them. So he does. He overcomes great odds, and they get the win. And after the match, Kenny and Adam come out. Kenny looks pumped, as always, happy for his friends. Adam looks annoyed, as always, kind of annoyed. He has to be part of this. Interrupted his drinking. Okay. Yeah, of course. <laughs> I mean, legitimate excuse for sure. But Kenny is, he's happy that his friends are going to be the ones to potentially take their tag titles away. And Adam is not. I've got a list of the, uh, 
who eliminated who and uh, at what point in the match it occurred, if you'd be interested in something like that. Yeah. So uh, we had Jack Evans was eliminated when he tried to dive onto everyone and they just caught him and threw him out. And that happened at a minute and 40 into the match. Scorpio Sky had done it just before, so I thought that he thought it was a good... I think he thought it was a good idea, but he's a lot smaller than Scorpio Sky. Yeah. Scorpio knocked down literally everybody in the ring, and Jack Evans didn't even make a dent. Kind of like Riho in the table. Yep. T-Hawk got eliminated soon after by a private party. They uh, hit him with a silly string and uh, tossed him out. That was at 2 minutes and 51 seconds. SCU got distracted by the Dark Order and... Their uh, motivational speaker guy, who I'm glad was, it was nice to see him in an arena, because we talked about that a couple weeks ago. Uh, and then, so the Dark Order, uh, you know, the Dark Order guys, the uh, the Clean Beavers, Reynolds and Silver, tossed out SCU in three minutes. And what I have to say was quite, a, quite an upset there. I agree. Yeah. You wouldn't think that the Clean Beavers could take out SCU like that so cleanly. No. Uh, but they turned around and got super kicked out by the Bucks. At uh, just 20 seconds later, Shima and Jungle Boy are fighting on the apron, and Luchasaurus just boots Shima off the apron at 6:15. So that takes out uh, all of Strong Hearts. Proud and Powerful toss out Private Party 10 minutes in after countering the silly string. Uh, Luchasaurus boots out Angelico at 10:45, and then Sammy Guevara, who is not in this match, by the way. Gets involved, pulls Jungle Boy out at 10.45, and then everyone gangs up on Luchasaurus and throws him out at 11.15. I have to admit, I have to say, there was a great spot in here with, I did like the the Luchasaurus face-off with the Butcher. Everybody went crazy for those two big guys throwing hands at each other. Yeah. Butcher tosses out Trent, but Trent lands on the shoulders of Orange Cassidy. This is one of my favorite spots. Uh, so Trent comes back, and he and Matt Jackson team up and dropkick the blade out. And then what happens right after that, Jenny? They do a best friends hug! And what are we calling them? We are calling them the best bucks. Uh-huh. Or the young friends. I like the best bucks the best. What do you think, Megan? I like best bucks, too. Yeah. Okay, so Nick Jackson and Chuck can be the young friends. Okay. <laughs> That makes sense age-wise. They're both younger. The young of the two. How jealous do you think Chuck was of this hug? There's some stuff on Twitter we can talk about later. What are we talking about now? (laughs) I haven't pulled it up yet. They even did the pull-out spot of the camera angle. So Chuck Taylor tweeted uh, after the fact, Wow. Greg hugged Matt Jackson after I got eliminated, and also Orange Cassidy helped Greg stay in, but not me. I've been betrayed. And then he posted a picture of his cute little dog and uh, wrote the caption, punk ass, on uh, on it. Have you seen his dog? His dog's adorable. His dog is so precious. Yeah. He cleans him a lot and, like, brushes him very well. He always looks well-groomed. <laughs> oh, sorry, you follow Chuck on Instagram, right? I do. Okay. Um, Trent replied with uh, two tweets. Uh, the first being one word, the second tweet being two words. The tweets are as followed. Dustin, I'm sorry. If the listeners wanted to see a clip of that hug, it's up on our Instagram, at the Elite Beat Pod. That's right. Orange is, he probably would have saved Trent again, but 
the bunny kicks him in the balls and uh, Trent gets tossed out uh, by the butcher at 15 minutes and 55 seconds. So uh, Matt Jackson spears the butcher out at 16 minutes and that leaves him alone with proud and powerful. He is going along just fine. And then what happens? What does Sammy Guevara do? So Sammy Guevara springboards into the ring and Matt super kick paralysis him. Holy shit. He kicked through his head. Yeah. Our friend Dave was over watching with us and he's always rooting for paralysis when he's watching wrestling. And I thought he had got his wish this yeah. time. Yeah. Megan, did you, did, did, did you notice this spot? Did it, did it pop out to you at all? It did because I saw Matt's foot just not hit Sammy in the face, but you know, cause they're working, but the way Sammy's face still just hit the side of it and dragged. I was like, oh, that's not going to be comfortable for him. I, I, think, I think he pretty he much hit his, his face. face. And like underneath his chin. Yeah. Um, and then It like, looked like his foot got caught underneath his chin and then he couldn't get out and he had to like continue with it. And Sammy's legs like folded under him. Yeah, yeah it looks brutal. This is also something you could see if you uh, went to the Elite Beat Pod that's on right. Instagram. That's right. Uh, and after that, he uh, Matt is able to take out Ortiz and Santana at 17 minutes, 57 seconds. And that is how he survived and won the Battle Royal. Yeah. I really liked the rules of this tag team Battle Royal where the last person of the tag team won and, and the tag team won. I yeah. don't like the WWE rules where the first person who's part of your tag team gets out and then the whole tag team's out. I don't like that at all. Yeah, it doesn't really make any sense if you think about it because if if you're still in there as just one ta- as one person, then you're at a big disadvantage and if you win the battle royal, that's even more impressive. I agree. This okay. is one of this is one of the better battle royals I've seen in a long time. Yeah, I like the um the rule where you're not out unless you know both people are out too because it gives you the opportunity to to do like with Matt and Trent, you get some good guys and bad guys teaming up in a way that they wouldn't normally. Who's a bad guy there? Matt? No, I meant like two good guys, two bad guys. Oh, I see. In the Matt and Trent thing, they're both good guys. But, you know, like there were clearly the heel teams and some of them helped each other out a little bit. But if you're down to one guy each per team, it gives them a chance to do. Like Trent got to do the tandem super kick and Matt got to do the hug. So they got to. That's true. You know, yeah, it, it did. It did make me want to see more of the the best bucks. Yeah, that'd be fun. Yeah. But Megan, I got what you meant. Wink, wink at the beginning that Matt's a heel. Oh yeah, that's what I'm putting out there because he has <laughs> such strange energy. Ugh, Jenny, I'm upset. She's just, she's just picking up what you're putting down, Megan. Exactly. Oh my gosh. <laughs> there was part of this uh, that happened that was not like an elimination, but needed to. I think we need to call out is that, as you said, the Dark Order guy, Evil Uno, and the spokesman showed up ringside, and they they caused the distraction that got SCU ultimately kicked out. But they also said the Exalted One is here, and then when Shima gets eliminated, he is over by the barrier, and they offer him a mask, and it appears that he accepts. He goes to think on it. I think he might have some Marco stunt shiny ball syndrome 
He might, but he went. He took it a step further because he actually took the mask, and then he went through the crowd to leave. So they didn't show him like putting it on or anything. But he That's definitely true. took a further step than Marco Stunt, who just looked mystified by it. <laughs> we don't know what Marco would have done if, uh, you know, his boys weren't there to discourage him. Yeah, he would have put it on and then immediately gotten bored and been like, "What am I now?" Right. <laughs> like that one time he wore the dinosaur mask and then never again. Yeah, but in his defense, it was a little too big for his face. They could have made him a smaller one. They should have. I thought that mask was cool. Maybe they're working on it. No, it's been too long. (laughs) So Proud and Powerful did the heel move, which I don't think is the heel move. I think it's the smart move in a battle royale to just stay outside the ring. I think everyone should just take a nap for a half hour until you're down to the last person and then jump into the ring. But they stayed out. And then they just randomly got in, like, halfway through the Battle Royale. Like, that wasn't a great strategy. Like, stay out until there's no one. There's only one person left. Yeah, I don't remember seeing anything to trigger them to need to go in. Like, the Dark Order guys, Queen Beavers were outside for a reason. Obviously, they were waiting for their opportunity. But it does seem like Santana and Ortiz just jumped in just because. Yeah, they just wanted some spotlight. They got a little bored on the outside. Yeah. When you do Tiger style, it's hard to keep it in for too long. <laughs> yeah, Ortiz is always on the verge. Yeah. Our friend Dave loves the Tiger style. It's hilarious. Like, he frequently just does that with the hands during the show. I totally believe that. <laughs> That's a very Dave thing. And ball watch, as you said, the bunny got a low blow on Orange Cassidy. Mm-hmm. So, got to keep track of those. Two ball watch items already. Hangman's. Oh, yeah. And Orange Cassidy's. Hangman's big old dick. Yeah. Oh, I wonder if Orange <laughs> checking out Hangman's package was foreshadowing of his own getting hit. Probably. Don't get distracted by the Hangman. Okay. Oh, and Nick got hit in the balls, too. Went for the scrotum. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, Hangman on Twitter today, referring back to Twitter, going to be doing that a lot, I guess. Is Hangman active on Twitter? Yeah. Because he's not on Instagram. Yeah, he tweets a lot. He said, I clearly told them to go after Nick's scrotum. God dang it. That doesn't even really seem like insider advice. And they did go after it. They hit him in the balls. Yeah. Isn't that your scrotum? I mean, yeah, it cont- your, your balls are contained by your scrotum. I think he told them to, like, weirdly pinch them or something. Yeah. And Helico said, and Helico responded to this and said, and I did. However, you forgot to mention he's also thick-skinned. Does that mean he has a foreskin? No, it's the thing he has thick ball skin. But no, Adam said that the scrotum was weak. Thin well, he was, skin. He was wrong. So Adam needs to spend more time examining, I think. Yeah. So backstage, we see Cody arriving. He has his lovely wife, Brandy, and his adorable dog, Pharaoh, with him. Because it's a big night. But we'll get to his part later. Just know that he is... Um, he looks confident. He's the most beloved boy in Atlanta. He is. 
And he's yeah. dressed like very stylish once again this week. Their pictures are at the Atlanta airport. They're ambassadors for ATL. That's right. I've seen that. Oh, wow. They're That's important kind of... people. Well, they have arrived. But meanwhile, in ring, we go to Shanna versus Chris Statlander. And Chris Statlander gets the win over Shanna with her Big Bang Theory. Um, but Britt's on the commentary for this one. Why didn't Shanna hit Chris Statlander with the Kamehameha? I guess she didn't have the... Um, I don't... You can't go Super <laughs> Saiyan? What do you need to go Super Saiyan? Uh, is it like a power level thing? Yeah, but I was never clear if you... Because they can turn it off, right? So... Uh, I don't know how Dragon Ball Z works. She was wearing very uh, Goku-like uh, ring gear, though. Yeah. She's worn this before. But... I didn't notice it before. I think you've only seen it in, like, clips of her getting put through tables. Oh, no. Yeah. Back when Nyla was doing that to her. Brit, I don't know that she adds a ton to the commentary for this one, she does repeatedly mention that Shanna is cyber-stalking her. <laughs> <laughs> Which, I don't do Twitter, so I don't know if that plays out in real life, but she kept bringing it up. Yeah, live commentary might not be best suiting Brit's current character, but she did bring her buddy Tony a cup of coffee. And she made sure to spell his name wrong, like a real Starbucks employee. That's right. T-O-N-E-Y. Mm-hmm. I think that her voice is a little too quiet for commentary. Because when she would speak, it was noticeably quieter than the other people. And she tried to speak a couple times and kind of got caught off, caught, cut off. I yeah. don't think they intended to. I just don't think that they could hear her very well. Yeah. Hopefully she's back, like, just cutting another mean promo next week. Yeah, I love those things. Yeah. Yeah, I don't want her to wrestle or commentate, but I want her to make fun of Tony. <laughs> yes. Poor Tony. I, I feel like talking so much about Britt's commentary is indicative that this match was like, it wasn't bad. It just was pretty standard. Yeah, it was fine. I, I, I just, I don't know. I never for a second believed that Shanna was going to win. So. Yeah, I think that was the problem. They did a lot of, they did a lot of booping back and forth. Rick's, Rick Knox got a boop at the beginning of the match. Yeah. Is this, booping, is this boop thing over, do you think? I think so, because it happens again later on. Yeah. It was aggressive booping. Yeah. I'm not a big boop fan. I think it's funny when she does it to people like the refs or Orange Cassidy. I don't know that it really holds up when it was like a slap fight, but with booping. Right. Like that was maybe testing its uh, overness, but I don't know. Reserve the boop. Match was fine. Yeah. Yeah. Right after that, Nyla Rose shows up. Tony interviews her on stage, and she talks about how she's awesome. She should have been the first champion, not Riho. She should have had her picture up and all the things that go with championship status, and. She's ready to say she'll be a one-time champion because there's nobody out there that can beat her. And this also, prompt, she's hungry. She is hungry. And what does <laughs> she do when she's hungry? 
crush a bitch? She breaks bitches. I think that means she's hangry. Well, she said hungry. <laughs> Sometimes on the weekends, Andy just looks over at me and says, are you hungry? Do you need something to eat? I can only imagine how I've been acting when I received that comment. You're like in the Snickers commercials. Am I right 100% of the time? Yes, 100% of the time. <laughs> hey, at least you can acknowledge that. Yeah. I listened to Today's Talk is Jericho. And I was talking to Megan about this earlier. Because Megan, you know, you shared the the screen grab of Jericho's first podcast this week. Uh, you know, coronavirus truthers. Uh, oh my god! But I was, but I, so he had uh, Nyla Rose on today, talking about uh, being transgender, and I and it occurred to me, and I shared this with Megan that Chris Jericho's open mindedness cuts both ways. <laughs> he'll hear he'll hear anything you have to say about anything, and he's interested to learn about it, whether it's quackery about the flat Earth or. Um, you know, like how the Chinese government is faking the coronavirus to, uh, you know, Nyla Rose teaching him about being transgender. Yeah. Yeah. It was a very good interview, by the way. Good. Yeah. So what, what did we learn? What about, about being transgender? No, or about like Nyla Rose. And, oh, like, I learned, her, I learned about, about the coronavirus. Journey. Yeah. Yeah. I, don't... I learned a ton about Nyla Rose. It was, yeah, it was. She's... I'm just asking you to share a few things. Oh, well, I learned that uh, she was kind of discovered by Kenny Omega when she was in Japan uh, wrestling because she was wrestling on a television show, like a TV. There, There is this TV comedy about a young pop star who gets involved in the world of wrestling. And so they frequently have what? Other, so they frequently have like Japanese women's wrestlers on the show as her opponents and stuff. And so Nyla got cast to be one of them, and and then uh, and then yeah, and then that's how Kenny Kenny saw her because Kenny had also guested on the show before, and uh, so Kenny saw her and and like that's how she kind of ended up in getting her shot with AEW. Can we find some of these episodes? I'd love to see. Maybe this. yeah, I don't know. I forget. Maybe I'll, some subtitles. I'll have to look through. I'll have to go back and listen to what the show was called again. Okay. But, yeah. What else? Oh gosh, what else? Um, because. During our best, uh, our BDS awards, yeah, we had a category for best background, best story, yeah, and we talked specifically about how we really wanted to know more about Sunny Kiss and Nyla Rose. I learned we... Nyla Rose is married. Really? Yeah, she has a she has a wife who is a who is a cis, uh, cisgendered woman, and uh, and they've been married for I don't know. She didn't say how long they've been married, but she is she is married right now. Yeah. Yeah. Where do they live? I don't know. She didn't say where she lived. That's probably for the best. Yeah. Yeah. And she says that... Um, Not that... I'm just saying that, like... She says she's developed a pretty thick skin about, like, internet comments and stuff because... Unfortunately, every, everything like she Everything she says on Twitter gets... Ugh. You know, people call her a man and people, you know, say that she's a sinner and, you know, all kinds of lovely bullshit but uh yeah it was i recommend it uh to uh both of you and to anyone else uh out there listening it's uh very it was definitely the most revealing look at someone i didn't know a lot about you know uh beforehand and i and i came away liking her better that's great i wish they would do some more background pieces on dark at least yeah 
Well, they haven't really made it. They haven't made that really part of her story on Dark. Yeah, I'm so interested in it. Yeah, well, listen to Talk is Jericho. Okay. Yeah. You'll have to download it for me. Yeah. I was definitely interested in listening to that. I haven't yet, but it's it's good to know that it's like um nice and not just <laughs> weird. No, Chris is very much like you know, like interested and wants to know more and you know, not at all judgmental. Well good. Yeah. Do you guys listen to all of his? No. Okay. Because he has a lot. I, I listen to most of his wrestling guests, but he has a lot of like music guests on that I don't really care about, and and you know conspiracy theorists. Oh Ghost hunters are on. Ghost hunters yeah. repeatedly. Yeah. Nyla says she'll be a one-time champion because nobody can beat her, so she will theoretically hold that championship forever. I like that line. Yeah. I. It reminded me of Shayna bragging that she was a two-time champ, but. I think a one-time champ is a little more prestigious. Yeah, it is. At this point, Chris Statlander walks out because she is, uh, I believe, the number one contender at this point. That's a good question, Megan. Since the stats got like, reset. Fo- I don't follow those so much anymore, but I know that they still put them out every uh, Wednesday morning now. I can't uh, picture even Hikaru Shida. I don't, I don't know that she's won enough to be doing better than Chris Statlander at this point? Let's see. Okay, obviously Nyla's number... Uh, Riho is uh, number one contender, followed by Chris Statlander, Hikaru Shida, Yuka Sakazaki, and Britt Baker. Okay, so Chris is there because uh, presumably Rio's, Riho is not, but she walks out, she gets close to Nyla, and Nyla looks like she's ready for a fight, and then Chris Statlander boops the belt. And then belt boop. Belt boop. See, this is one of the times where I think the boop works because Nyla even you can hear her say, like, you think I'm afraid of the boop? I'm not afraid of the boop. <laughs> <laughs> that that was funny. I liked the belt boop. Yeah. And then immediately after that, Big Swole walks out and she gets a little more up in Nyla's grill and she flexes in Nyla's face, but a fight is prevented from breaking out because security rolls in and just gets in the way before anything can really go down. I get the impression that Big Swole and Chris Statlander are two people who have the most interest in getting this belt because nobody else came out. Swole's not even ranked, though. What does she care? Nyla Rose was like, yo, I'll be champ forever. I would take that as an open challenge. When you saw this, did you think A... Triple threat match, B, Statlander versus Swole as like kind of a elimination contenders eliminator match or like something else. I thought it would start with Swole versus Statlander because Nyla, once everything got broken up, she was the first to leave the stage and Chris Statlander and Big Swole didn't get into anything, but they shared a look that was like, one of us has to go. Right. So, nothing was announced, though, coming out of this. So next up, we get a video recap showing us all of the background behind Jericho bringing in Jeff Cobb to mess up John Moxley. And then following that, we actually get their match. So, Moxley gets the win, but I would not call it a decisive win because he gets a roll-up after Jeff Cobb did one of those 
vertical is it a vertical suplex superplex okay one of those off the top rope so it looked yeah. like a lot of damage and then a and then a roll up yeah the finish was very it was it was i liked it because moxley got to win but it also pretty much protected jeff cobb and it made it clear that moxley you know got away because he's just wily mm-hmm. i didn't know who had won when the bell rang it was one of those um like very tightly it wasn't even like a clear roll up it was more like a small package thing going on but yeah moxley moxley was the one who had his shoulders up of the two of them and at the beginning of this match jericho sammy and jake hager show up ringside it's cool they can sit there they all have tickets they flash which went really well for them last time i have a ticket i have a ticket yeah he did not like uh did not wipe the sweat from his brow and uh, and stick the ticket to his forehead this time. He should have. So, okay, this is like, this is one of my very few nitpicks of this episode. I don't think, I know that Sammy had to be there because they had the thing after the match to do. But he shouldn't have been there after he took that perfect super kick. He should have been out for an entire week. I agree. It's and true. also... Why didn't we get a replay if they were going to, like... Maybe that's why. Maybe it's like, oh, we better not call too much attention to that. But it was so great. You should have. I know. Well, he didn't have his glasses. His sunglasses. That's true. You're right. Like, I didn't super think about that. Well, he's there. Well, maybe it doesn't really matter. (laughs) I mean, it does. I guess I just didn't really, like... I was just like, oh, Jericho and Sammy, they're always together, father, son. The inner circle, they have to jump the barrier, they have to attack Moxley because it's so infuriating that he won against the assassin that Jericho had found, Jeff Cobb. Um, so they're beating up Moxley, and then Dustin Rhodes runs out to help, but also Loki to just, like, attack Jake Hager because he hates him. And then the lights go out. And when they come back on... Darby is there at the top of the ramp with his skateboard in hand and he takes out everyone once he makes it to the ring, except for Jeff Cobb. Jeff Cobb tries to sneak up on him, but Darby knocks him over and Moxley gets him in a paradigm ship and then Jericho goes after Moxley, but he abandons ship when Moxley actually has the gall to fight back. I don't sleep because my head's on fire. (laughs) I've missed his song, honestly. Um, what'd you, like, before we get into all the shenanigans, what did you think of Jeff Cobb, Megan? Uh, I liked him. I, I've seen him a little bit before in the G1 stuff, but I thought he was a good, like, heavy against Moxley. Yeah, we, I got a new, I've got another news item about his, uh, contract status coming up later on. And they're just continuing to ground down your man. That's okay, because the more they grind him down, the harder he's gonna come back. And beat the shit out of Jericho. I'm wondering, at, by the time they get to this pay-per-view, how many different, like, medical bandages he's going to have on his body. So oh. he had four <laughs> on Dynamite. He had the eye patch. He had the thing over his elbow from the infection that he got in Japan last year. And then he had two separate ones on his, not ribs, but stomach area and, mm. like, lower Waist, back. Yeah. yeah. What do you think is going to be bandaged next week? Maybe an arm. (laughs) 
I was thinking ribs. A lot of suplexes where he just landed on his back and, you know. Yeah. Out, so I would think so. I think so, like, maybe he'll have, like, a, a stomach section and then a rib section. Thankfully, all he has to do next week is uh, participate in a weigh-in, so. <laughs> yeah, I saw that. There, are Do they think that they're UFC? Oh, uh, you know. Gives a, little, well. gives a little air of legitimacy. Although, I think, there are no weight classes, so it's kind of weird. Exactly. I think Jericho just wants to show off because he's lost 20 pounds in the month of January. Has he really? Yeah. Wow. I thought he looked kind of svelte. Did he? Did he like just stop drinking? I bet he would lose twenty pounds if he stopped drinking. I have no idea. He just posted at like the end of January, his um, like uh, he was on a on a a scale. Is the word not a weigh machine? A scale, yeah. <laughs> a weigh teller machine, <laughs> that magical number machine, and uh, and he said, "Oh, I've lost twenty pounds since the beginning of January." And I mean, he looked even like fitter on the, so i think he's lost even more because he looked pretty trim oh good for him yeah, yeah. it's the yoga the DVD. Maybe. yeah derby allen's run-in was great um he was hitting people with his skateboard jake hager went for his mma finisher the the running knee to the balls <laughs> and uh and and uh darby blocked it with his deck which was a really good spot i thought with the deck yeah skateboard oh okay the way he wielded it as a weapon and a shield. It's very mm-hmm. cool. Yeah, it's very, you know, he's playing some Breath of the Wild, clearly. Very Captain <laughs> American. Because he uses his his shield no, as a shield. We, we, we get it. Okay, all right. <laughs> I thought I would get a reaction out of Megan for my Captain American. <laughs> I mean, I appreciate the reference. You keep saying Captain American. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I wasn't going to call her out. <laughs> I thought Megan would appreciate the sentiment. Yeah. I did. That's why I didn't call you out. Thank you. You're welcome. You're a good friend. Thank you. So this is fun. Moxie oh, yeah. has loose al- like allies, kind of, you know. I think, I think for sure, sometime soon, after the pay-per-view, obviously, because they're doing the way in next week, but I think we are getting the, the Moxley-Darby dream team. Oh, those little chaos monkeys! They need to do. They need to do a tag against uh, Jericho and Sammy. I think. Mm-hmm. That'll be really fun. Yeah, but I am glad in retrospect that they are saving it for after the review because I I I thought they might do it next week, but I think you want to the first time Jericho and and Moxley touch in in a ring should be their pay per view title match. I think I've just been like programmed by WWE to expect all of these mix and match tag matches leading up to singles matches at pay-per-views. That's fair. The next match we have is the AEW World Tag Team Championship match with the Lucha Brothers and Mega Hung. Now I'm going to let you try here, Megan, but just before I do, let me ask you, how's your Spanish pronunciation? Very bad. Okay. What, what do I need to pronounce? <laughs> oh, did you not see the Chiron? I didn't. Okay. What did I miss? So this week, this week, Hangman Pages, I guess because they were taking on the Lucha Brothers, Hangman Pages Chiron said, Como se dice, yeehaw. <gasps> you know what? On my cut, neither he nor Kenny got a Chiron. So they didn't get him coming out. 
but after when they were in the ring during right? the introductions. Oh, okay. I must we were have thrown off down. by that too. Yeah. Okay. Yes, como se dice, como <laughs> That's amazing. I'm so happy. <laughs> <laughs> Except it should have been cowboy shit. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Agreed, Megan, on that. I I did think it was weird though that um they're a team, but this week they got individual entrances and a, no chirons like individually. That yeah. I, I thought they usually come out to like each other's music but closer. And it seemed like they both just got individual entrances. I hope they have like a mashup theme at the pay-per-view. And why won't they use our name? Mega Hung. Maybe they're gonna maybe they're waiting to debut at, at a big event. Like... I hope so. I mean on BTE, <laughs> uh Kenny I really thought they were leading into Kenny saying Mega Hung because he was like, We don't even have a team name. And Oh yeah, I forgot to mention they like teased a they teased a they, I mean they basically teased Marty and Flip take Japan, mm-hmm. but Hangman blew it off. <laughs> I did appreciate that Kenny's like, we don't have a team name. Yeah. <laughs> we need to legitimize. He knows, see? Like he, he knows. knows that that's the legitimate thing. And we've given them the best one. They couldn't come up with a better whatever one they come up with is not going to be nearly as good as ours. It's true. It's true. Well, team name or not, they win. They get to keep their titles for now. And uh, they get the win after Adam pins Ray Phoenix because he and Kenny do an unnamed team move, which is the V-Trigger Buckshot Lariat combo. But if they were a real team, they'd have a name for that. Now, Megan, would you, would you describe this as the first time you've seen that move? Nope, this is the second time. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Look, I might not be paying attention very closely or something. <laughs> I don't know. It just well, it seems like they usually do um, the the one where Kenny, where they do the they simultaneously do things off the top rope, like they switch off. I don't know. Look at me. I'm bad oh, with like moves. The insults. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I hope you're paying attention because I think this was the best match in the history of Dynamite. I think this was better than Nick Jackson versus Ray Phoenix. Oh, damn. But I agree. Jenny's just like looking at me. I just, I hadn't thought about that. I thought this was an excellent match. And I I think overall, this is the best episode of Dynamite. So the math works out that this is the best match ever. Yeah, I think it does. All right, I can get behind that. Ray Phoenix did a Hurricane Rana from inside the ring, <laughs> off the apron, and I think on the springboard part of it, he got like eight feet of air. Yeah, he is bananas. I I don't even. I think this match he looked more graceful than he usually does, which is saying a lot because the bar is so high. You know what's funny about that? Like when he was when they ended the ring, he he did a rope walk thing and he fell, and like he, you know he landed on his feet, but he clearly slipped. And I looked at Dave and and I said he had to get that one out of the way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I guess I think um, what really looked impressive to me from him this time around was all the like corkscrew movements he did, like whether he was jumping and doing like a corkscrew flip to do another move, but he just. He looked like a figure skater, honestly. He did that one um, where, oh, God, it was like Hangman 
was like throwing throwing him. Oh, it was it was when they do that spot where Kenny like does a German suplex and he just kind of tosses the guy in mm-hmm. midair and then like Hangman catches him and like finishes the German suplex. Except Ray Phoenix turned it into like an RKO in midair. Yeah. Like as he got thrown towards, he like he twisted. He did like, like you said. He did a corkscrew in midair and turned it into a, into like a, a yeah to an RKO or a diamond cutter. Yeah, he's just a joy to watch. It's yeah, yeah, beautiful. It really is. He's God. He's, he's something else. I I think he's the most talented wrestler they have. I mean, certainly in terms of like that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Which I think is the most important kind of stuff. <laughs> a wrestler, not like promo. Yeah, this match ruled like a it, lot. It was so good. Yeah. And I I didn't think there was any way that the Lucha Brothers were winning, but they had me fooled a few times. Really? Like I, I was like, there's no way. Like obviously Kenny obviously Mega Hung is winning. They have to fight the young bucks at Revolution. But there were a couple times where I was like are they not winning? <laughs> I I am with you. When Pentagon Jr. did the um, package pile driver on Kenny, I thought it was over. Yeah. Yeah, that was a very close uh, close count there. Yeah. And going okay. into this, I assumed they would like the Lucha Brothers had no chance because we have to we've set up the story. But I really did believe at that time. Yeah. This match. This was like this was a really special match and. I think, I think Kenny and Hang. I think this this has to be going even better than they had planned. Oh yeah, no, because okay, they, they've come together as like an excellent tag team. This they is have. the best story that like AEW has ever told. And this yeah. time, yeah. they they did put in like that moment where um, Kenny tried to hold Ray Phoenix up so that Adam could do the buckshot lariat, and Ray Phoenix. Kind of got out of it, and then Adam full on buckshot lariated Kenny, mm-hmm. but but that didn't even seem to like cause any issue within no, the match not itself. Like it, not like it would have a few weeks ago. Yeah, they just moved on from it. I kind of want to watch this match again. Yeah, <laughs> might, I um, might do that tomorrow. Well, guys, let's do a champagne bet. Oh gosh. Uh huh. Who do we think is winning Revolution? The Bucks or Mega Hung? Mega Hung. You think so? Megan? Um, yeah. I. Oh, it's so close in my mind, but it seems like they'd get more out of this to just keep it going with Mega Hung. Yeah, I, up until this week, I thought for sure the Bucks were going to win. I think Mega Hung's going to win. So I guess it can't be a champagne bet. <laughs> no, because we're all on the same side. Yeah. All right. <laughs> it just seems uh, it, like maybe not the right time to suddenly take these titles away from Mega Hung. It's going so well. Well, next week we'll do um, we'll do official pay-per-view predictions and we'll, we'll, do we'll a put a bottle bet. of champagne on the line okay. for whoever all gets right. the best. Yeah. I just thought we could have a like fun side bet here. But no, we're all on the same page. Yeah. We all really like the way this is going. Yeah. The the one sad damper of this, which is actually good because it's storytelling, is after the match, the young bucks run down to the ring to help Kenny up because, you know, even 
with the wind. Kenny's a little beat up, so he's laying on the ground. And once they get him to his feet, Adam moves over and, like, takes Kenny's arm and tries to pull him away from the Young Bucks, which is very well, no, childish. <laughs> Matt tried to pull him away first. Okay. okay. He didn't, Matt wouldn't even allow, like, Adam to celebrate with his tag team partner. Matt had to come in and try and steal the glory, then try and steal Adam's tag team partner. You know Nick was there too, right? Nick is not getting involved in this drama. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Nick Nick is not the alpha of the brothers. No. no. (laughs) He's the younger. (laughs) The young of the two. Yes. Okay. Um, Sure. The point is... (laughs) That there's some conflicts where Kenny gets kind of pulled both directions and he looks annoyed by this and kind of is like, get off me, guys. And then Adam takes solace in his usual place, which is the crowd, where he seeks out a beer. And it took him a second to find someone who would hand him one, but he got it. Yeah, no one in the front row must have gone to concessions. They all must have been, like, holding their pee and not drinking. Yeah, it's That like- second beer he got was full. Which means that I think that that guy got an extra beer for Hangman. Yeah, he did. Just in case. Yeah. Hell yeah, because if Hangman takes your beer, it's like, that's super cool. Hangman took my beer. And then you hit the point where it's like, oh, Hangman took my beer. (laughs) Right, yeah. Do you guys worry that Hangman is maybe growing out his hair just a little bit too much? Because it's starting to get, like, straight at the top. What does that mean? It's getting heavy. I... I don't think so. The curl isn't holding as well at the top. I shouldn't say I don't think so. I should say I didn't notice. <laughs> I should say both. I guess. <laughs> I think his hair's fine. Well, I thought that he was just like wetting it down a little bit too much, and that's why we weren't getting quite as much curl. But now it's looking just a little bit longer than it normally does. I think it's getting a little bit heavy okay. for the top part to curl. Okay. <laughs> you are the hangman hair watch so she's the I, hangman everything watch it's true it's true good lord we got the dynamite debut of dana massey for this for this commercial this was so excited i loved seeing dana yeah i thought she did really well like she really did she seemed comfortable in front of the camera well, she's had to be in front of the camera before. Not often. Not Every often. Once in a while on PTE, yeah. Yeah, but Matt, you know, brings her into the fold. This was really cool, though, because we got to see, um, we got to see like the EVPs react to seeing their action figures for the first time, and they were all really excited. And Jericho pretended to be excited as he saw the 800th action figure of him that's, uh, <laughs> that's been made over the course of his career. His reaction was a little duller than the others for good reason. Yeah. <laughs> but here, here's the thing about this. So I I see a lot, I have seen a lot of commercials for WWE action figures over the years. I've owned a lot of WWE action figures like back in the early 90s. The faces never looked this close or this good. Like, these, these sculpts are really good. They must have done some of the um, 
the picturing of the face the facial to make scanning. the mold. Yeah, the facial scanning. Well, that's what WWE does, but they, theirs look like garbage. Well, I would say that they didn't quite get Brandy's right. Brandy's was a little bit weird looking. And that's the one I want. Yeah. But like, <laughs> it doesn't look quite like her. But all the other ones look really close. Yeah. Cody's comes with a, a sledgehammer, and you could hear him say uh, on camera, oh, the internet will love that. <laughs> hey, that uh, was an appropriate reaction. <laughs> uh, Jericho's comes with a removable belt. Yeah. Removable. Uh, because he will not be the only champion. I would I would think not. It's not, <clears throat> it's not a Nyla Rose situation where he's just going to keep it forever. Uh, Wicked Cool Toys. Wicked Cool Toys, okay. Thank you. Anyway, these look really cool, and I actually kind of want some of them. Yeah. I'm not sure where we'll put them, but... Yeah. It'd be kind of cool like to have them, though. The, like, articulating limbs, is that something the WWE ones do? Because I thought that was, like, kind of the cool thing in this commercial was they moved a lot more. <laughs> they seemed a lot more dynamic. So WWE has like basically two um, runs of toys. One are like cheaper and more basic for kids basically. And then there are like the more high end ones that have like articulated limbs. And I think they're more for like collectors. Okay. Because I thought these looked really cool because of that. Because they all moved. It wasn't just limited to yeah. some of them. Yeah. Like, you could, like, pose Matt and Nick and have them do their, like, their, you know, their uh, muscular uh, Young Bucks pose. Yeah. Or have, or have Kenny do his finger point. Yeah. They look they look super cool. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I wanted to make sure we talked about that because I thought that was... It's one of those things, you know? You get, you know, it's like, video. I think video games next. Yeah. Maybe someone will get one for their birthday. <laughs> Maybe if they're out by then. <laughs> I don't think I don't know if they really said when they're coming out. I I May. don't remember. Oh really? They said May. Okay. Then I someone's. Dana I, don't, said... I don't think anyone's going to get one for their birthday. Well, though. I thought Megan would get one for her birthday. Oh, a... okay. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> oh, hell yeah. <laughs> well, that's fun. Yeah. I like that. Okay, so sorry. I didn't mean to skip the toys, but now that we've gotten into that, the last thing we have is the main event. It's Wardlow Day, y'all. Yep. He's he's a big boy, and uh, he's in a steel I talk- cage. I was talking to Jason about him earlier, and Jason said he thought that in his gear he looked smaller than he does in a suit. I think he's right. I suppose that maybe he's wearing shoulder pads in his suit, like a businesswoman from the 1980s. Well, all suits have shoulder pads in them. I mean, like, but like big shoulder pads. You think pads. big shoulder pads? Because I, I also agreed. I thought that he like looked big smaller. Melanie Griffith shoulder pads. Well, do, does he have like is his shoulder like does he have naturally sloping shoulders that maybe he's correcting yeah, with I don't know, the pads? Maybe, maybe but he. I, I didn't really notice that. I just thought he looked, you know, jacked. Uh, my takeaway was that his hair is too short to be in a man bun. Like, I expected it to be longer. I did, too. I was like, I remember a few weeks ago, I said, like, oh, we're going to see what Wardlow's hair looks like. And it's not much. No, I expected Jeff Cobb hair, and I got not that. Yeah. So, I was okay with his gear, even if he looked a little smaller than in the suit. But uh, 
it was jarring to realize like we've literally never seen this man do anything outside of being in a suit being mjf's little sidekick so Mm -hmm. it was quite an introduction yeah he kicked out of the crossroads yeah yeah they gave him a lot and like you know like obviously he had to lose because cody has to wrestle mjf and that, that was what needed to happen to allow that but they protected the hell out of him yeah you know what i didn't like was when he came down to the ring and then he shook the cage and you could tell like how flimsy the cage was or maybe just how powerful no how flimsy the cage was mr mayhem you don't think he just has a lot of arm muscles? I don't. Not that many. Well, I will I like... say, Jenny, you point that out, but later I think Excalibur may have said it that it's dangerous because the way the ring is or the cage is structured, you could end up between it and the ring if you fell the wrong way. So they did kind of weirdly acknowledge that. Which Cody did at one he point. He did, yeah. Yeah. I like that this was uh, pinfall and submission only. Like, you no know, escape the cage rules. I appreciate that. I, re- I really don't like the cage escape rules. Yeah. Now, do you think that will be how all cage matches are, or just this one? I mean, I don't know, but I would say that this sets a precedent. Just like the way they did the Tag Team Battle Royal. Yeah, I agree. And hopefully, you know... We'll, we'll probably like if they if they really want to make it special, we won't have more than one like cage match a year or so. I would hope not. Yeah. Did the cage seem really tall? Yes. Cage was crazy tall. Okay, because it just I was like visually, are they shooting it different than I'm used to maybe WWE doing it? Because it seemed extremely tall to me. No, they built a big ass cage. Okay, a tall cage. Yeah, and. So when we saw that and we commented on like how tall the cage was, Andy said, well, Cody's jumping off of that. <laughs> Cody, why do you hate yourself? God. I knew exactly what he was going to do. Oh, good Lord. I've never seen anyone. Oh, that's not true. Other than Colton climbing that fence on The Bachelor. I've never <laughs> seen anyone climb anything as quickly as I saw Cody climb that cage. He was up there in like a second. I was like, what? He took three steps to get up there. And then a second later, he was back down. Oh my god, it was crazy. Oh god. I love the spot where um, like Arn was holding the cage door after Cody like banged into it and it opened. And he was kind of in a position where it looked like if he wanted to, he could have slammed the door on on Cody's head. But MJF like kind of got up beside him and started yelling at him to like slam the door on his head, yeah. do it like you did to his father. And then Arn just like he looked like he was considering it for a second, but of course he was just suckering MJF in and he slammed the door onto MJF. That was great. Yes. Yeah. Really good. That, no. that is a reference to a very famous angle from like 1985. When Arn Anderson slammed a cage door on Dusty Rhodes's uh, head, I assumed that. Yeah, wasn't on... MJF? Yeah, like wasn't MJF even saying like you remember how you did it? Do it again. Well, yeah, he said like yeah, do it like you did to his father. Yeah, I like that they have all that history to draw on. That's cool. Yeah, it's too bad they can't like show the clips or anything because they because WWE owns it all. But yeah. <laughs> now. Was it fake blood or real blood? Looked real. 
I thought it looked fake. I just always assume Cody's willing to bleed, but... Yeah, no, I do too. I was I, pretty upset. I think it was probably real. You told me you thought it was fake. I didn't want you to get upset at the moment. I didn't want it to, I didn't want it to ruin your appreciation of the show. Because it did not look thin. It looked thick. No. Cody Rhodes, in his hometown, in the first cage match in AEW history, yeah, he's going to do a blade job. God damn it, Cody. Stop it. <laughs> that match Jenny. checks out, right, Megan? Oh, for sure. Here's the thing. <laughs> You guys watched in real time. I'm watching on TNT.com, and they cut to a commercial. Everything was totally cool. We come back. Cody's covered in blood, and I'm like, "Are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> what the hell just, happened?" It's so frustrating. Why does every big match that Cody has has to have have to involve blood? I don't want to see it, Cody. I was surprised they did it on, like, cable television. I thought that would be a line that maybe they wouldn't be allowed to cross. This is a really unpopular opinion, and Andy, maybe you should cut this. But I feel like Cody uses blood like bad movies use women's breasts. Just like a spectacle? Yep. To make their movie better. Mm-hmm. <laughs> More yeah, appealing to boys, that. for sure. <laughs> uh, but I don't think it makes it better. I think it makes it more dramatic. Well, I, he just wants this, like, giant... Spe- I just... Oh, he like, use be, your merit, Cody. He wants to be his dad. But I, and I, I know that he wants to honor his dad, but you don't need to honor your dad in blood. Yeah. I mean, I don't like the blood, but I get when he does it on pay-per-views and stuff. I don't know that this, like rose to the level of requiring blood to make it more dramatic like it's a cage match sure but you're facing off against wardlow the person in the way of you going to mjf and it's like nobody thinks you're gonna lose this match right because that would end the story (laughs) so true but now like if he does like let's presume he's gonna bleed in the mjf match because that's a oh for sure (laughs) for sure like that does like kind of take away from that somewhat since we just saw it yeah maybe he won't I, I would have expected it more than here. That's why when it cut to commercial from commercial and then back, I was like, "Are you fucking kidding me?" Like, and you did it in the commercial break. Like, it didn't seem that important, and it didn't really play into it that much, other than looking gross. I thought that uh, I thought they did a really good job with Wardlow here. He's clearly very green, but they kind of structured the match in a way where he was able to. He did all his big power spots. He looked impressive. They didn't ask him to do too much. Um, I, th- I think. I think they. I don't think it hurt Wardlow at all to lose. He's not that green. Britt Baker just posted a photo from him from 2015 with him yeah. on the Indies. Yeah, but like Britt Baker, working the Indies. How many matches are you really having? No, I guess that's true. that's true. I didn't think he looked bad you know like he didn't look experienced but he's a big guy with muscles so i feel like you can kind of fake it till he makes it yeah um he's had 84 matches in his career that is almost as much as burt baker right um that is in a period of almost six years now 
Okay, so that is... Britt's not been wrestling for six years. It's been five, right? Yeah. But I didn't... When we looked up her stats, wasn't it something like low 100s? I thought it was lower than that. Yeah, that means he's, he's he is averaging 14 matches per year. Oh. That's not nearly enough to Did get Did he better. take a big break or something? Because how is that even possible? Well, he hasn't wrestled since September. Like, because he's... He's only working for AEW now, and he hasn't wrestled for AEW until Wednesday. But yeah, no, I mean he's you know he works for a couple of indies that have like shows like once a month or once every okay. six weeks, you know, and, you know. He reminds me of like early Roman Reigns, or Leaki, if you will. <laughs> I will. <laughs> That's very flattering of you. Well, I mean, same idea, right? He's a big dude who has the look and the. You know, he's tall, muscly, but not necessarily the experience. Hopefully he can get it in AEW, but if not, he's doing perfectly fine as MJF's bodyguard. There was a tremendous spot where, uh, so, MJF, like, passed off the diamond ring to Wardlow, but Cody got it, and Cody cracked Wardlow with it. I love that. There was also, MJF at one point tried to climb into the cage (laughs) to interfere, and Brandy... (laughs) swatted him down with a chair yeah she did like uh he was king kong and she was a jet fighter uh yep way to go brandy so he like dropped down like more annoyed than hurt and he looked like he was about to hit her and then arnie anderson tackled him over the uh the barricade hell yeah don't raise your fist to a woman and that was the point at which crony hit the crossroads and he only got a two count so he did the only thing that he could do climb up the vault up the cage it was three steps. And hit Moon Base Cody. Guys, I thought he was going to die. Megan, I'm surprised that you aren't like. I don't know. That's his I, finisher. It's Yeah, exactly. It's, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just surprised that you didn't have a bigger reaction to that, given it's like the payoff to a nine year old storyline from our previous podcast. that we were told wrestling radio, you know what? I'm gun shy because I've been taunted multiple times. For <laughs> his finisher. So the one time it happens and arguably like the most, uh, I don't know, elaborate time it happens. I'm scared to celebrate, it, but it did. It finally, it finally finished someone. Well, <laughs> he had the help of, I guess, 20 feet of height. Yeah. Wardlow did not help him, though. Listen. He, he did jump off very quickly. I, I was going to say, I'm not going to fault Wardlow on this one because as quickly as he climbed up that cage, Cody just, like, he didn't look back. He didn't look down. He got to the top and was like, and my life is in your hands. And then he just, like, <laughs> jumped it backwards. And it's like, man, Cody, that's a really far way to fall for you to not even sort of check if people are in place. So I have an important question for you, Megan. Sure. Because I, I I texted you Wednesday night and said, there's something on this show that pays off, like <laughs> something from, so we were told wrestling radio from nine years ago. When you saw that happen, did you know at that point what I was talking about? No, but I think I was too distracted by the fact that he did that. I was just like, oh my God, are you dead? And then they okay. kept re-showing it. And- well, that's immediately what I thought of. And I, I, I texted Jason, and he also he was also very he was very happy to to see that uh, connection made. I appreciate that. I think I was just horrified by the lack of regard for his body 
that I didn't have time to connect it, I'm like, please don't die. <laughs> and then when they showed it from above, and the just the like the way Wardlow he was kind of there, but he wasn't. <laughs> this got so many replays. It stressed me out. If they ever do an opening that's like the WWE opening where you just show a bunch of like moments, like this is going to be like the moment that caps it off for forever. Do you think it'll replace Rio? Rio, Rio, and uh, is Hikaru it Shida? Is it Rio and Shida? Yeah, it should honestly. Yeah, <laughs> it was a hell. Of, it was a hell of a spot, and he paid the price as we saw on Instagram with his broken toe. Oh my god, oh. his toe looks terrible. Yeah. On Instagram, he just showed a gnarly picture of his toe and said, broken. Oh, God. You can break your toe doing a lot less. I broke my toe by dropping my phone onto it last year. And you can't really really do anything as far as fixing it, right? You just kind of have to, like, let it heal. Yeah, you just tape it to another toe, and then you walk around Europe. (laughs) Well, Cody... uh, you know, he got up and he climbed right back up to the top of the cage when he was done with this match. So he yeah. seemed like he it, was doing okay. He Yeah, yeah. He climbed right back up. And then um, our friend Dave was like, oh, he's just going to let Brandy break his fall this time. Mm-hmm. And then they showed, they immediately showed, I didn't realize it was a clip, but him falling back and doing the move again. I was like, oh, no. He just decided to, like, leap off it again, even though he'd won. But it was just another one of the replays. But I was really concerned for Brandy. Victory lap. Hey, guys, they yeah. just announced on SmackDown the Bella Twins are going to the WWE Hall of Fame this year. Oh, wonderful. Yeah. Good for them. Congrats to the, to the BTs. Big year for them. Yeah. Babies yeah. and Hall of Fame. Yeah. I love the Bellas. They're, they're I, the I love Nikki, specifically. Yeah, they're great. You have a contentious relationship with Brie, huh? I'm actually tuned into the Hall of Fame this year. She's a she's better sans baby. Brie? Okay, yeah. So that was Dynamite. I thought it was the best show. I know last you said that you thought the previous week's was the best no, show. No. I said that there was a lot of chatter online that the previous weeks of the last show. And there's even more chatter online that this week's the best show. And that reminds me of what Megan said last week, where she said, don't people say every week is yep. the best show? Until I stand we by it. I stand by it. This was a Cody. pretty, this was a pretty damn good show though. Did you see um, MJF's face when Cody was on the top of the cage after he'd won and he was like screaming at him, like I'm coming for you, bitch. MJF looks scared. I thought it was some good be. acting. That's awesome. I think we're going to get MJF blood, not Cody blood. Oh, that's, you know what? I think you might be right. Scar up that, scar up that little forehead of his. I love you it. You think Cody's willing to let somebody else bleed in his match? Come on. I think Cody's going to take that blade and cut MJF's forehead. Oh, God, I hope not. You, no, you should never bleed someone else. <laughs> Here, let me handle that for you, Max. That's, that's called assault. <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, the show was great. That tag team title match was unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Um, and the Battle Royale to start it off. Battle Royale was really fun. I think with those three things, I think you've got the best show. Yeah, I think so too. And I know it's just kind of a minor thing, but I also really liked the action figure commercial. <laughs> I really loved it. I love seeing Dana. I love seeing like Brandy 
so emotional seeing herself in an action figure. And what really pissed me off, guys, is after that, there's been a lot on Instagram of promoting these action figures. And I will tell you that everything coming from All Elite Wrestling, their, like, official Instagram account, it has all of the men figures in the ring. And Brandy's not there. I have seen that. Like, although It really pisses me off. And I'm really upset for Brandy. And I'm upset for myself. And I... And, like, so it, not, it shows them all in the ring, like, in a V. And then it has a picture of each of them afterwards. But Brandy's missing. Yeah. What the fuck? I, I want... Now... Don't, don't, okay. Okay, because here, in my mind, I tried to rash. I was like, okay, well, I guess if they were, like, setting up a match, we don't really have, you know, mixed matches. But then I thought, but we have had mixed matches. And also, even if you were going to do that, you could still put Brandy's picture in the lineup afterwards. My only thought is maybe those those five figures that's going to be like the series one and brandy will be part of series two no she's in series one we saw it no i know we saw we it we saw but, it hey maybe that's maybe it's a prototype maybe that's why the face wasn't that great i don't know <laughs> i also wonder are um other women eventually going to get action figures too i would think like nyla rose and Riho, maybe Britt baker like your big stars okay. sheena maybe mm-hmm. yeah yeah I, I, I would think a lot of them will Maybe they're just waiting to do, like, a women's match with her action figure. I just, like, it wasn't just that they had them up on the ring, but then they showed them individually, like, in the same post. And I I just thought, you could have put Brandy at the end there. It really upset me. And I wanted to say something, and I didn't. I don't think. But then they've had other posts from all the wrestling, and none of them have had Brandy in them. Okay, but, like, I'm guessing that the toy company created that. That promo material. And my guess is that the Brandy figure we saw was maybe not part, is not just not going to be part of that first series of figures, but they wanted to have her in the commercial. Like maybe they were working on it and they had something to show her, but it's not, it's not like going to be ready for release and with the first wave. Okay. So it looks like we're getting five figures in a ring as far as the, the first uh, series of releases. I wanted Brandy. Well, I'll get you a brandy when she comes out, okay? Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay, let's uh, let's get into the rest of our uh, material here. Thank you, Megan, for a, an excellent uh, Dynamite recap. You do a good job every week. Well, thanks, guys. I really didn't like the week where I had to do it. <laughs> As usual, I'm going to be uh, reading from the post-wrestling story on the ratings, because I like how John Pollock writes it up. Uh AEW's heavily promoted debut in Atlanta with its first steel cage match led to a victory with viewership, while NXT also saw an increase in viewership. Going against the Democratic debate, AEW and NXT were up 9% and 5% respectively. Dynamite averaged 893,000 viewers on TNT, while NXT, coming out of TakeOver Portland, averaged 794,000 viewers on the USA Network. The debate began at 9 p.m. Eastern with 10.5 million people watching the first hour on NBC and 7.6 million on MSNBC. AEW managed to finish fifth for the night on cable, while NXT was 16th. 
Uh, AEW stayed steady among their key demos with the largest gain among adults 18 to 34 that rose 12.5% over last week, followed by adults over 50 that also that rose by 12%. NXT was a different story, and Megan, you'll be happy about this, was bolstered by a huge increase of 75% among women 12 to 34. 75%? Yes. Get it. It was the second highest NXT has ever done in that demo, dating back to the October 2nd show, going head-to-head against the debut of Dynamite. What did NXT do this week? Yeah, I'm behind. What What do you think bolstered this? I think people are, I think, I think people are into the, the Charlotte's Rhea Ripley, Bianca Belair kind of triangle program they have going on. Has right Charlotte been on more than the She's one been on week? a couple weeks, yeah. Okay, I mean, WWE has the best women's program of wrestlers. They have the best wrestlers, yeah. You don't think that they have the best women's program with all the best wrestlers? I, I think their booking is terrible. Like it's I better, think the it's matches are... The matches are very good. Yeah. I'm just saying, like, the storylines don't compel me on Raw and SmackDown. The NXT stuff's better, but, like... Sure, the, maybe the storylines aren't great, but, like, yeah. the matches are always very good. Yeah, with the key women, yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Like, I don't think that they can compete with AEW. Or I don't think AEW can compete with them. Not at present. I Hopefully, eventually, they can. Yeah. Uh, let's see. So, NXT this week, you know how usually the only demo they win is 50+. plus. Yeah. This week, they won with adults 18 to 34 and women 12 to 34. And they tied with women 18 to 34. So... Nice. Yeah. Yeah. So they're still they're, they're still about ninety nine thousand. They're still down ninety nine thousand viewers and to, uh, total viewers, but they're doing they're do, basically both shows are just doing really well right now. Good. Which I think is terrific. Yes, this is the best outcome. On to news. AEW announced that they will be staying in Las Vegas after Double or Nothing and running that week's edition of Dynamite from the same building, the MGM Grand Garden Arena. Wednesday, May 27th. Uh, I don't know why they didn't make this announcement when they first put tickets on sale. Yep, because you could have bought your Dynamite ticket at the same time and booked your hotel room. Exactly. So anyone who booked a hotel room just for Double or Nothing, like, you have to assume some percentage of those people would have been willing to extend their trip to go to both shows. Probably a big percentage of the people. And now, what do you do? And like, it's over Memorial Day weekend, so you already have Monday off. So, like, a lot of people actually take that week off because they only had to take four PTO days. Yeah. So, yeah, I think they... I think they... So I, I, I wonder the if there. This, I feel, well, I feel like maybe this is, like, a, a late-in-the-game kind I, of decision. I don't think so, because uh, Cody talked about it on that interview that he did a week yeah. ago. Yeah, anyway. But and they yeah, just so. put tickets on sale two weeks ago. For for Double or Nothing, yeah. Yeah, so they should have known about the time, and they should... I feel like this was a big... They put tickets on sale one week ago today, actually. Well, then, Cody's... Inter- they knew about it because Cody interview was a week ago that he was talking about it. Mm. I think it was... I believe it was Monday. Cody's interview was Monday, actually. Well... Yeah, four days ago. I don't know. I feel like they would have known at that point. Perhaps. Uh, Cody and Brandy Rhodes doing uh, promotional work in Atlanta prior to Wednesday's Dynamite. Uh, Cody said within five years and during this interview that he would like to see AEW on a different night of the week and would be very confident if they were to air on a Monday night. 
Well, what do you think? Uh, that's just uh, wishful thinking, or do you think there's like a chance that we could ever see Dynamite going head to head with Raw the way Raw and Nitro used to go back, uh, go head to head? I don't know. That's interesting, though. I is this a like actual possibility, though, or is this just Cody like navel gazing? I don't know. I mean, I, I mean, I guess, I guess it's possible. I think I think it would be a mistake, like anytime soon, because I think that they would just get eaten alive. Yeah, I have some thoughts. So, one, what's the point of that? You're putting your two big wrestling shows on the same night so that viewers have to pick. Like, what's the point of that? I think it's to upgrade from beating NXT to being like, we can also beat your other thing. Yeah, but AEW's always said, like, that's not important to us. Obviously, we know it is, but, like, they've always said, like, we don't really care about that. We're in it. We're competing against ourselves, not against NXT. So what's the point of of putting it on the same day as Raw. I don't know. I mean, is a Monday night that much better than a Wednesday night from a television perspective? No. And a lot of the, like, you know, 16 for 16, no, for 17 You've weeks. got NFL. Against the Monday night football, too. Exactly, which is dumb. Yeah. And also, Tony Khan has said that they will never go on Monday nights because they'll never go up because, you know, they own an NFL team. They're never going to compete against the NFL. Is kind of what he's said. This feels like Cody, like being really petty and kind of talking out of his ass. And I don't like that. And I really respect Cody and I've listened to some of his interviews lately and I've been really enjoying them. And I just, I don't like this. Or is this just like on par with him breaking the throne? On the way out, not one favorite view where it's yeah, just I like, all right, bud. That's kind of what it sounded like. Well, that's, that's what that is, but I, I don't like it. Like, I, why do you have to be petty like that? Like, you've said, everyone has been saying from AEW that we're above that and we're not competing with, you know, Vince is the one who's making this competition up in his head. Like, we're not participating in this competition. Right. But it's bullshit because we know that they are, like, looking at all of that. So I guess he's just being honest. But I don't know. It just, like, goes against everything else they've been saying. And then, two, what what are the current ratings for Raw averaging the last few weeks? Isn't it, like, almost 3 million versus 900,000? Uh, let's find out what, exactly what uh, the Raw rating was this, this week, the Raw viewership. 2.44 million. Okay, so about two and a half million. Almost three times what Dynamite does or did this week. Yeah. Live, yeah. And I don't know. I don't know. And then you're gonna have to have people like choosing between I don't know. I think it's I think it's I think it's petty. There's no purpose to it. Other than trying to beat Vince. Yeah. I just thought it was an interesting thing that he's you know, that he said. He also did say that like he put like a five-year timeline on this. Like, who knows? Like, they could be, you know, God willing, they could be doing like two million viewers a week five years from now. They've not really been growing yet. It's still early. It's pretty early in the game. You know, like they don't even have like they don't they don't even have like lines of merchandise out yet. Really, aside from t-shirts, you know, we're just getting into that territory now. Flip flops, <laughs> beach towels, beach towels. <laughs> Neck bandanas. bandanas. Yeah. <laughs> We're just describing all the proud and powerful merchandise. <laughs> uh, AEW's official podcast debuted on Thursday. Whoop, whoop. It's called AEW Unrestricted, 
and it is hosted by referee Aubrey Edwards and color commentator Tony Schiavone. It's a good team. Their week one guest was John Moxley. Did either of you get a chance to listen to that podcast? I did not, but I definitely want to. Okay, uh, Jenny? I also did not. I listened to a Bravo podcast instead. Sure, yeah. <laughs> Um, that that makes sense to do, knowing that you're recording uh, your AEW podcast this uh, tonight. It's a tough day. Yeah, it's a tough day. Uh, yeah, I, I listened to it, and it was good. He didn't, you know, he say anything earth shattering, but uh, he just kind of talked about, you know, his career, and uh, he did at one point say that he wishes Renee was here with him. Aww. <laughs> uh, yeah. I bet they do too. He said, like, his his real hope is that she ends up getting, like, the, the Today Show gig at some point, and, uh, and he only has to wrestle, like, a handful of times a year th- after yeah. that. Oh, wow. <laughs> and that he can just, like, and he says he wants to, like, get himself into Arn Anderson shape at that point. <laughs> That's amazing. I love Moxley. Yeah. And Aubrey was good. She's very enthusiastic, very knowledgeable. Um, she does talk over the guest a bit. But that is something that I think, you know, with repetitions, you can, that's a habit you can break. And Tony was good, like, uh, just kind of as backup, kind of adding a little bit of, well, color, because that's his job, you know. Well, yeah, she's been doing podcasts forever. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I thought he was a Starbucks barista. <laughs> <laughs> he's got he's got a lot of irons in the fire. <laughs> uh, Wait, I think Megan had another thought. Okay, Megan. Oh, no, I was just going to say, like, the Aubrey talking over guests. I feel like that's a common problem with newer podcast hosts, like, on plenty of podcasts I listen to. So I I assume she'll get better with practice. But I'm excited to listen. I didn't realize she was the host until you said something. Yeah, it was good. Yeah. Uh, we've mentioned a couple, like, we've it's been referenced a couple of times now, Cody's uh, little press conference, press event media thing where he took uh, media questions and answered them. For about 45 minutes earlier this week. Uh, did you guys both get a chance to listen to that? Yes. I did and I enjoyed it. Oh, great. Okay. Um, except for every questioner going, Hey, Cody, can you hear me? Hey, Cody. How you How's doing? It? Yeah, how you doing? Awkward pause. And then Cody answers and then it's like, Well, I'm already asking my question. <laughs> oh, my God. It was so awkward. It drove me nuts. You and I know it again. It's not their fault, and I know there's a lag, but I'm just, like, cringing as it happens. Me too. Me too. So I've got, I've got some points here that he just kind of got into. I'm just going to run them down real quick, and then you guys can throw in any thoughts you have. Uh, he, when asked about the bash at the beach, Amy said it's unlikely uh, we're going to use that one again. Uh, or, he didn't say that. Yeah, he's, well, he said, he said he didn't think we're going to, He's aside from one, he didn't expect to use any of those trademarks that he, that he got. They're going to use, no, what he said was they were, he anticipated using one more. So I didn't, I, I took it as we're going to use Bash at the Beach again, and then there's going to be one other one. Oh, okay. Well, then you interpret that differently than I did. Megan, how did you interpret it? I think I just interpreted it like Andy. Megan listened to this while also doing work, so like, Megan acknowledges that maybe small details could have been lost <laughs> in that. <laughs> Uh, he, uh, when asked about Jeff Cobb's uh, status, he said that uh, they were in a gestation stage with Cobb. Uh, he signed for more dates, but uh, it's uh, he just kept it kind of vague. He uh, said that he, they were hopeful for a longer term signing with him, yeah. and that uh, you know Tony worked really hard with Mega. He didn't 
mention mega but i did but you imagined yeah yeah to really tailor individual contracts to meet the talents needs and wants and goals that to me said like you're gonna need to work on one of those like moxley jericho like aew slash new japan deals with this guy yeah well because he said like wrestle kingdom he specifically mentioned wrestle kingdom yeah so did the abc sitcom blackish he said that uh, because of Dynamite uh, being in Las Vegas after Double or Nothing, so you're going to have like this stretch of Saturday through Wednesday where all the talent's going to be there. They're going to load up those days with uh, AEW appearances. It sounds like they're going to try to put together their own kind of like fan fest sort of deal. It's so dumb then not to have mentioned when you were putting your ticket sales out yeah. that you were going to have a Dynamite on Wednesday. Yeah. Such a miss. He and Taz are planning on taking a trip to the NCAA Wrestling Finals to scout, and uh, possibly also the NFL Combine. Yeah. Which I think is smart. Get some good athletes, he said. WWE sends scouts to the NCAA Finals every year, and uh, there's no reason AEW shouldn't also be doing that. It's kind of interesting, though, because WWE does it and then has, like, the Performance Center. Well, Cody Cody got into something... With that, you know, and that's actually the next thing I was going to say. He said that he's kind of taken over a leadership role at uh, QT Marshall's gym. Okay. I mean, yes, for sure. I'm just saying, like, that's not the same scale. But it's good that he's, like, forward thinking. Because I feel like if you can't, if you just grab those athletes and you don't have a good system to train them in all the like theatrics of wrestling, it's not going to work out well. Megan, I 100% agree. And I think that, and I thought the same thing when he was talking about that of like, well, then how are you going to train them to become like professional wrestlers, not, you know, Olympian athletes or amateur athletes? You know what though? Like the New Japan Dojo is not very elaborate. It's not very flashy. And the guys who come out of that system are so much better than any of the rookies in NXT with their with all of, with their multi billion dollar facility and all the creature comforts. Like oh. it's it's about the it's about the training. It's not about the you know. For I, sure. I, I, think, I think you could do it on a smaller scale and be successful with it. Well, but you have to be able to fit all the people that you want. I think that's what Megan was talking about from a scale size. That and like the New Japan system of like the dojo. That is so. Um so regimented like they really hammer in on like the basics and fundamentals and i think that's probably good because you don't think cody can be a real taskmaster down there with his, <laughs> maybe but like the timing weight belt <laughs> like isn't the dojo uh process like a one or two year thing like to yeah. get all the way through it i just don't think aew has that kind of time they don't and and you're right it's like a full-time like everyday regimented thing and also like but why don't, why don't they have that kind of time? It's not like they're going anywhere. That's what Megan and I have been talking about since we started <laughs> this podcast. Of you need a performance center. And yeah, sure, it sounds like Cody's taking a leadership role at QT Marshall School, but Cody's not full-time there. Like, they need a, to ramp it up and have full-time people there and have these new talents be there full-time. And it's just in Atlanta. Like, are they move everyone to Atlanta to do this? Maybe. I, I mean, they should. Like, that's what they need to do. And I, I think that they're really missing 
missing out on on the developmental stuff. And I know that Cody talks a little bit about like the women's division, but I think there's a lot that needs to happen within the women's division, specifically within like the performance center and training and experience and and not just like wrestling moves, but like the promo abilities as well, especially like if you think about the production value and like what AEW is trying to do, I feel like they're really focusing as they should be on like storytelling and promos and people not just doing technical wrestling, but like the whole package. Mm -hmm. And if you're, if your school's teaching technical wrestling, sure, you can at least get that part down. But, like, it also needs to be teaching about all the promo shit. I will say um, that he was talking – this is not – I don't think this was in this interview, but he was talking somewhere else about how Dean Belenka was down there running a, running a wrestling seminar for everybody, for everybody who was willing to come. And he said, like, 80% of the roster showed up. And he also said Dustin was there that day and did a promo class. Good, yeah. but that yeah. should be full time. It shouldn't just be like one weekend yeah, but, out of the year. But it's it's. It, I I think they're heading in a positive direction. It can't all happen in one day, you know. Oh, totally. And when I said AEW doesn't have the time for like the one to two year dojo process, I just mean that New Japan is the main player in Japan. I I think, and they also have like a U.S. market. But, like, AEW's on TV up against WWE, whether they want to be or not. And it seems like asking Tony Khan to invest in somebody who might be good one to two years down the line is more of a a risk than, like, New Japan. That's all I was thinking. Is like, I think they want to turn it out a little faster than that. Yeah, perhaps. Yeah. But I, I, I think this was... Uh... I think this is a positive step. I think it's a step in the right direction. Uh, he talked about how they haven't spoken to Ring of Honor about getting the rights to All In, but they have a good relationship there, which I question. Um, <laughs> but uh, apparently, uh, so ROH owns the rights to the event itself and like the footage, but, but the, the name. name All In is owned by uh, Matt and Nick Massey and Dana Massey through their LLC, Killing the Business. So. That was interesting. I, yeah, I was wondering why they're not using All In as the name then. Maybe they could go back to it down the road. Uh, and yeah, so that was kind of the gist of the uh, of the, uh, the media event there, as far as the stuff that I want to talk about. I don't want to talk about the Valvianus transphobia thing. He's an asshole. That's basically what it comes down to. Ugh, ugh, hated it. Yeah. Uh, Kenny Omega will be defending his AAA Mega Heavyweight Championship against Laredo Kid at Ray Reyes on uh, March 21st. So that'll be his next... I believe, that, I believe that'll be his third defense of the Mega Heavyweight Championship that he won from Ray Phoenix uh, a few months ago. Here is one that you guys will like. A uh, website called The Financial Times ran a story on AEW... They interviewed uh, both cons. They interviewed Shad and Tony. Wow. Uh, and, you know, Shad isn't out there that much talking about AEW, so it was kind of a treat to get to hear some of his thoughts. But he said, Tony's always been a big wrestling fan. A few years ago, he said it was the perfect time to start a wrestling organization. I thought the odds were very much against us. As a parent, this is one of those times you're glad you were totally wrong. 
And Aww. Tony talked, yeah, Tony talked about how they aren't so much after the WWE audience, but they're offering a different product that caters to a younger audience and, you know, one that is more desirable to advertisers. Uh, and he talked about people comparing them to WCW and said, I'm not taking positive business lessons from other companies. <laughs> Most of the lessons I'm taking are examples of what not to do. Yeah, WCW is not one to take positive business lessons from. Damn. He said Damn. the he said the audience was there for those wars from 96 to 2001 to go on for decades if they had produced competitive shows and run them logically, but that didn't happen. WCW was badly mismanaged. They teased audiences with matches that never materialized and lost tens of millions of dollars on talent, some earning six figures without ever working. It was a real disservice to fans. Wow, he's just cutting straight to the core, huh? Who earned six figures without working? Hulk Hogan? Uh, no, I don't <laughs> I know at least uh, Macho Man Randy Savage's brother, Lanny Poffo, signed a $150,000 contract for one year uh, as a favor to Randy. And they didn't use him. And then his contract rolled over automatically because they forgot to to release him. So no. he got paid $300,000 to not do anything for the company for two years. Dear God. Was Lanny Poffo <laughs> one of the old men who was on the like classic reg- wrestling segment from... Um... Memphis, yeah. Yes. Oh, God. Yeah. So that's fun. That's one of my favorite like stories from the Death of WCW book. Uh, engraved on a Nation, which is the six-part TSN documentary series up in Canada, of which one of the six episodes was Omega Man, A Wrestling Love Story, uh, which of course is the Kenny Omega documentary, was nominated for a Canadian Screen Award for Best Arts or Biography Documentary. We still haven't gotten a chance to watch that. I know, I'd really like to watch that. Yeah. Yeah, I would love to watch that. Hopefully someday it'll be available. I would buy it. I would just buy the episode or whatever if they made it available digitally. But I hopefully that happens at some point. All right. Is it only like an hour? Yeah, it's like 55 minutes or something like that. So wait, they followed him around for an entire year and made it into an hour? Yeah, that's. I mean, that was the time slot. It was, wow. it was, it was this documentary about six Canadian sports figures and everyone got like an hour-long episode. Interesting. I should have just expanded that because i bet there was a lot of good stuff in there i agree i mean it would be interesting if they did release it as standalone if they were if she if the director i forget her name um but it was it was a woman director uh would be able to do like a longer director's cut or something Mm -hmm. jeff cobb was offered a deal this past week uh, Tony Khan had never met him until this week. Cody had been trying to get him since the start of the year. This is, uh, this is from uh, Dave Meltzer's Wrestling Observer Newsletter. Cobb had only agreed to a few dates, and uh, Dave's just saying here they protected him rather than just beat him clean, which one would have thought would happen given John Moxley was at a pay-per-view main event. They offered him a deal where he could still work New Japan, and that's where talks have left off at this point. I think he'll probably end up signing, because I think ultimately that's what he wants. Like, that's the reason he signed with Ring of Honor, was to get dates in new japan because they work together but i would rather be in ring of honor or in a aew with a much bigger platform if everything else is equal yeah definitely there will be a one hour special on tnt on february 26th after dynamite as a pay-per-view countdown show i don't think they did i 
I think there might have been like one brief mention of this on the episode of Dynamite, but they didn't really promote this at all. They didn't. This is the first time I'm hearing about it. Yeah. Uh, Moxley, John Moxley, who is from Cincinnati, noted that Heritage Bank Arena in Cincinnati, which he would love to headline, won't book AEW due to not wanting to upset WWE. Bullshit. Okay, if that's the old U.S. Bank Arena, that place is run down. We went there, Megan. Didn't we go there for something? Um, maybe roller derby? Not not roller derby. Oh, uh, it's possible. Uh, I, may I feel have been like there. you, me, and Lori went there for something. Yeah, and I don't remember why, but I remember it being kind of gross. It honestly might have been roller derby, and um. Yeah, I don't know. Because I don't think we see concerts that large. Yeah, no, it was like, it definitely wasn't a concert, so I don't know why else we would have been there. I think they are going to end up running the uh, University of Cincinnati recently renovated basketball arena and sell that some bitch out. Yeah. And it'll look great on TV. It, 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 those like those college uh, basketball buildings that they've been running, a lot of cities, always look really good on TV. And they always look different. They have they all have like a little bit of character, you know? Yeah. Uh, also about Moxley, I don't know where Dave got this information from, but I'm excited to report to you guys that he has his eye patch on whenever he leaves the house. It isn't just when he's in front of wrestling fans. <laughs> oh my god. But he, he didn't have it on the cruise. He was just wearing sunglasses. He when he wasn't wearing sunglasses, he had the patch on. Okay. What a yeah. commitment. I know. I know, he's a real pro. Good for him, because I would not be dedicated enough to wear something that is clearly super annoying. Yeah, I wouldn't either. Uh, Here's a a very interesting story. Uh, You know, like, Turner Media, or Warner Media, is based in Atlanta. So a lot of uh, top TNT execs were at Dynamite this week. Uh, And there was no issue regarding the usage of blood in the cage match. So, like, like all the stuff we talked about a couple weeks ago, Tony Khan got that all approved beforehand. Um... Which is, you know, which is pretty cool. Mega was there. Did she post? Mm-hmm. That's cool. I, I'd like to see that. Uh, and then here's here's a note from the observer that I don't think we've ever had before. And, uh, you know, Dave is so co-opted that he's able to get this information. Uh, but regarding this week's TV, Tony Khan wrote the Battle Royal along with input from the Young Bucks, BJ Whitmer, and QT Marshall. Uh... Tony wrote it with Marshall and Whitmer as the assistants, and the Bucks ran the point position on it, and they explained it to the other 18 guys in detail, and we're told nobody missed a planned spot. Chris Jericho and Dean Malenko laid out the post-match of Jericho of uh, Cobb Moxley. It was Khan's decision to turn the lights out before Darby Allen came out. Kenny Omega was in charge of both the Chris Statlander match and his own tag match, while Cody was in charge of his match. So, I don't know. I'm just interested. It's interesting to know what, what people are kind of taking ownership over. I'm super interested in that. Yeah, yeah, that's really cool. Yeah. I will say, guys, did anybody for like a second when the lights went out go, is Sean Spears going to show up? <laughs> I, you know, it's like, I didn't think Sean Spears, but I did think like, are we getting like another debut here tonight? And like, who could it be? Why Why is it happening here? Because I kind of, I, I just forgot about uh, Darby. I thought he was hurt. Like, I thought he was out. <laughs> with his bad, his bad throat. Yeah. 
No, I knew it wasn't Sean Spears, but I'm like, he's literally the only one who has lights go out for his entrance. Right, yeah. And Cody has lights go out, but he was already out there. We yeah. was coming out later. Yeah. All right. That just takes us to our little preview things, then we'll be all done. We'll let you go. But uh, AEW Dark for February 25th, 2020. We've got... See if these matches appeal to you guys. We got Jimmy Havoc versus Marco Stunt in what is Marco Stunt's first singles match in all elite wrestling. You know what? It's confusingly random, but I bet it'll be fun. Yeah, I think we were talking last week of like we 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 both you and I both kind of like surprisingly liked Jimmy Havoc's last match. Yeah, yeah. Well, because it wasn't his typical like like no one got stapled. <laughs> yeah. Falls count anywhere. Joey Janela versus Kip Sabian. So that feud continues on AEW Dark. The Dark Order versus Strong Hearts. So I, I kind of wonder if that's going to play into uh, Shima and the Mask at all. I assume it will. Yeah. yeah. I'm interested in like what they're going to say about why they're targeting Shima. Not that they've been like hyper-focused in. It seems like they'll take what they can get. But Shima's a random recruit yeah it seems that way and in the main event of dark we'll have qt marshall and dustin rhodes versus sean spears and peter avalon who i believe peter avalon is a previously failed tag team uh, partner for sean spears so i don't know why sean's going back to the well on that one maybe he can't find any new people maybe i just think it's a bad idea yeah i mean peter avalon's pretty low on the totem pole <laughs> and uh, for Dynamite next week, the go home show for Revolution. Guys, can you believe that we are eight days away from Revolution? No. Wow. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? So, for uh, yes, for this show in Kansas City, we will have The Butcher and the Blade versus Best Friends. We'll have Sammy Guevara, Santana, and Ortiz versus The Jurassic Express. That sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah. And, of course, the big one, 30-minute Iron Man match, Kenny Omega versus Pac. I just, this seems so random to do three days before the pay-per-view. I'm worried about Kenny going 30 before, like, three, yeah, three days before he yeah. has to wrestle the Young Bucks. It really is super intense, considering he's defending a tag team championship Yeah. after that. I, I this, oh, I wonder this if makes me worried that we're all going to lose our bet. I wonder if, uh, I mean, there is no bet. Like, so we don't have to worry about it. <laughs> that means no one gets champagne. Yeah. <laughs> or if we all do, because we just buy it. <laughs> I do, uh, yeah. I imagine that'll play into the story that he's just like, he just went through hell three days before, right. while the rest of them aren't wrestling on that show. Do you presumably. think Adam will get mad at him? Because he can't yes. pull his weight because he's injured. Yep. Yes, I bet he will. Uh, Jenny, that's a, I, now that's a good shot, Megan. I think you're right. Now, Jenny, how are you going to twist this around in your mind so that Adam's correct in his thinking? I mean, Kenny shouldn't be taking this match. Okay, already, already, it's begun. And of course, the other big thing on that show, non-wrestling uh, segments, the weigh-in between John Moxley and El Champion Chris Herachico. Interesting. Yeah. So that should be fun. Fun episode of uh, Dynamite. 
Now, do you think it'll be the best episode of Dynamite? You know what? I'm looking on on paper. I don't think so. I don't think there's anything on there that's like, I think Kenny and Pac will be really good. But no, I don't think it's going to be the best episode Mm -mm. of Dynamite. I'm calling it. Not the best episode. The streak ends here. It couldn't be. There's only one interesting match on that show. What? Which one? Omega and Pac. No, no, no. Uh, you don't think Inner Circle versus Dressing Express is an interesting trios match? Not really. Oh, wow. Okay. I feel like we've seen that. I don't think we have. They've got a lot of baggage at this point. Yeah, have we seen that match? And I'm not thinking clearly. I don't, I don't I remember thought, those. I think we've seen Jurassic Express versus Proud Powerful. Okay. I don't recall, but you, you might be right. But I'm, yeah, I'm willing to see it again. Yeah, there you go. All right. Anybody have anything else? I don't think so. Okay. Oh, well, thanks. Yes. Wait. Go ahead, Megan. Shout out to Jack Evans, who Cody said was the most underrated AEW wrestler. That's right. He Agreed. did. Yeah. Bam. Sorry. Had to get that in. No, definitely. He responded. Oh, God. I need to find this one before we go because this is actually one that I, I should have taken a screenshot of it when I saw it on Twitter. Uh, he responded to that actually. Uh, oh, good. <laughs> and I thought it was—I thought it was actually a really sweet. Um, this, this is somebody like uh, who was like kind of live tweeting the call. Says Cody Rhodes states that the most underrated person in AEW is Jack Evans, and Jack responded, "LOL, oh man, I shoot, hope not. I get so nervous around my bosses, I can't even talk to the young bucks normally anymore." Oh, <laughs> that's so <laughs> precious. Well, and Cody mentioned specifically that he, like, walks around backstage so casual and, you know. And I remember you talking a few months ago when we, when we kind of saw Jack Evans for the first time. And, like, not for the first time. I guess for me for the first time, but not for you guys. Yeah. Um, and about just how crazy talented he was. And you said that no one had really... Like think, like, think of all that talent that kind of almost is not wasted, but, like, not really showcased, and he's in his later 30s now. Yeah. And we talked a little bit about, like, dressing for the job you want, not the job you have type thing. Like, mm-hmm. just, like, the basketball shorts and everything like that it kind of made me think about that. Mm. I want to thank everybody for listening, and uh, please check us out at the Elite Beat Pod on Instagram. And uh, give us a follow there. Like all of our posts. And for Megan and for Jenny, I'm Andy. And thank you for listening to The Elite Beat. E, Elite Beat. E, E, Elite Beat.